and the degree of the elevation will be judged by their eagerness to understand the spiritual identity of an individual. To be a Brahmana means one who recognizes his spiritual identity. And Srila Prabhupada actually wanted to establish a, Brahm a Brahminical community all over the world. Srila Prabhupada wanted to create Brahmanas everywhere, all over the world. At a time when everybody became a Sudra, in the age of Kali, that is the general tendency. One is uh, either, at the most, one is a Sudra. Uh, and in most cases, they're even worse than a Sudra. And at a time like that, Srila Prabhupada established a Brahminical community. And of course, the goal is not to become Brahmanas. The goal actually is to become pure devotees. But at least one should become a Brahmana. And when the Brahminical structure is properly established, then the Brahmanas will guide the Kshatriyas and Vaishyas and naturally the Sudras will also fall in their place. But what Srila Prabhupada very emphatically did in ISKCON is establish the ashram. There are Brahmacharis, there are Grihasthas, there are Banaprasthas and there are Sannasis. <coughs> and Srila Prabhupada pointed out that every single ashram is equally important. It is not that a brahmachari ashram is the most important uh, and grihastha ashram is less important or sannas ashram is more or less important. No. Srila Prabhupada pointed out that every single phase of life is actually an ashram. And ashram means the situation where one gets an opportunity to practice his devotion to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And in the Daiva Varnashram society, Krishna is the center. There are again two types of Varnashram society, Daivi Varnashram and Ashuri Varnashram. Those who are just in fact, those who just emphasize the uh, the varna and ashram uh, divisions only, without recognizing Krishna or without putting Krishna in the center, that varnashram system is a demoniac varnashram system or ashuri varnashram system. But the daivi varnashram system is the varnashram practices are centered around Krishna. So our very advanced and very learned and a very eloquent devotee, uh, Rabindra Sarup Prabhu, has graced South Africa by coming here. Actually, it is our very great fortune that we got uh, his Divine Grace Rabindra Sarup Prabhu in our midst because 
he is an exemplary devotee and you can see that he is in a household ashram he is in grihastha ashram and in this way we can also see that although ravindra sarup prabhu is in a grihastha ashram but he is considered as one of the most advanced leaders of our society and it is very important for the south african devotees also i think to meet with ravindra sarup prabhu because generally we are not very fortunate to have the association of householder devotees in south africa uh, mostly the visiting sannyasis or gurus the, the visiting gurus are mostly sannyasis that visit south africa but ravindra sarup prabhu is uh, a spiritual master who is in household life a sadhu is recognized by the way he speaks proper pointed out that one must see a sadhu through his ears so when you follow that follow that process then you will see for yourself what a great devotee ravindra prabhu is the way he speaks will reveal his spiritual advancement <coughs> ravindra prabhu as i mentioned is a governing body commissioner of international society of krishna consciousness and also an initiating spiritual master not only the governing body commissioner ravindra prabhu had been leading our society for many many years at through very difficult conditions since philip proper's disappearance our society had gone through many big crises at different times and ravindra prabhu always had been in the forefront uh, defending and protecting shri prabhu's iskon and i must also mention that in that battle ravindra prabhu's good wife mother sodamani had been a very very uh, wonderful uh, support for him many occasions ravindra prabhu confided in me like just to give an example at one time ravindra prabhu uh, took such a stand that his life was in danger uh, he could have been murdered and at that time his wife actually gave him the support and made him realize that at a point at a time like this he can't afford to act like a coward <laughs> so that shows that uh, that that is the uh, real household life mm. the husband and wife uh, together they help each other in their spiritual advancement and uh, they help each other to render their service to their spiritual master and I am also very happy that uh, you all responded so nicely so many of you have come uh, to take advantage of Ravindra Sarup Prabhu's association uh, the the real um, uh, association is to hear from a sadhu and not only hear uh, take his instructions to heart 
And in this way, when we take the instructions of the pure devotee to heart, then we notice that the spiritual realizations uh, begin to reveal within our hearts. And that is the real association of a friendly personality. So please take full advantage of this wonderful spiritual opportunity. Thank you all very much. Hare Krishna. Srila Ravindra Sarup Prabhu Ki. Srila Prabhupada Ki. All glories to the assembled devotee. Gold Premanand. Hare Krishna. So we would like to thank His Honor Bhakti Guru Maharaj for this introduction and inaugurating the seminar. Now we are going to start the seminar. I just want to give some practical details of how it's going to run. I have 20 more uh, notes had. We want to know who doesn't have writing materials. We can put that together to you. So if you can keep your hand up, and the devotees will come and give that to you. Number two. There is also a reading material which we have made available on its way in the next 15 minutes, which everyone will get a copy of. Number three, the seminar will run in such a way that there's going to be uh, a discourse, and then Ravindra Swaroop will invite questions. So it's not going to be a whole discourse and have questions in the end, but it's going to be discourse and question discourse and question and we have made a microphone available and if you have a question when there will be the question time allotted then you raise your hand and we'll give the microphone to you so that you can ask your question and then we will end today's session at 6 p.m. and we will request everyone to take the Kadushi Prashad before you go home thank you very much Hare Krishna Please. Namaste Sarasate Deve Gavaravani Pacharani Nivishesha Shunivari Paschachade Satarane. Humanganam Timarandasya Garanjana Shalakaya Chaksuram Militam Jainam Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Manasakal Patrubhis Chakri Pasindeva Chapatitanam Bhavani Vyavishnavedi Onamo Namaha So I'd like, like to thank uh, my good friend Bhakti Chiru Swami for the, an introduction that I'm afraid I'll not be able to live up to <laughs> I try really hard not to make him too much of a liar, but uh, <laughs> I'm afraid uh, he's put me in an impossible position. <laughs> and I want to thank all of you for giving me the opportunity to come here and uh, meet all the wonderful devotees in South Africa. As you know, this is my first time in this part of the country. I've heard so much about this con in South Africa for many years, but uh, I'm very glad to have this uh, chance uh, for your association. Um, I thought
thought maybe I'll start a little bit with the history of the Grahasta Ashram in this, this con. This is not a very good history, but I, I guess it's uh, uh, good to know it anyway. I, I first came in contact with devotees in 1969, and uh, 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 my wife and I had already been married. We were married before we were devotees, actually. We became devotees. We'd been married for five years, and uh, uh, we had... Uh, one child and one newly born child when we moved into a, a temple. I think uh, our son was, what, three months old or something like that. In those days, in ISKCON, uh, it was not considered possible to be a devotee and live outside a temple. Although Prabhupada said it was, none of the devotees believed him or practiced it. And uh, so uh, when in those days, uh, it was understood actually that everybody was going to be married, uh, and that uh, if any person was going to become a temple president or move into any position of authority, they had to get married. But just before I moved into the temple, the the, the person that was. Uh, the temple president had been a brahmachari uh, and uh, he was going to be made temple president so it was deemed necessary for him to get married he said no no i don't want to be married no you have to be married you can't be a temple president <laughs> can you believe it that's why it was <laughs> and uh i'll tell you why this was because uh, Prabhupada had sent uh, three married couples to london uh, Mukunda Maharaj and his wife, Shamsundar Malati and Gurdas and uh, his wife, th three married couples went to London. They had practically no money, all by themselves, literally no money. Uh, and um, within a few months, uh, there were headlines like, Hari Krishna takes London by storm. <laughs> because um, they met the Beatles, and George Harrison on Apple la label uh, put out uh, uh, a uh, uh, help them record the Hare Krishna mantra, a group of six devotees and so on called the Radha Krishna Temple. It became the top of the charts in, in England and Europe, and uh, suddenly it was uh, a huge phenomenon. Big success, great preaching. So Prabhupada remarked in a lecture in Bombay uh, shortly thereafter that his spiritual master, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, had sent two sannyasis to London. You may know that sometime in the 1930s, not 32 or 30, something like that. He'd sent a couple of sannyasis to London and sent them a lot of money, too, actually. And the whole thing fizzled out. There was no, they had their picture taken with some famous people came back with a, a few followers, but there was no uh, success. Uh, and, uh, and so then Prabhupada sent three householder couples and it was a huge success. So he said in this lecture, he said, 
My spiritual master made sannyasis, but I am making grahastas. <laughs> he was very enlivened that he were married people and still they could preach more effectively than even these sannyasis from uh, Gaudiyamat. And so for that reason, Prabhupada was quite enlivened. And so it was a big thing that everybody want, he wanted to uh, rise up in the movement and take on more responsibility while well, you had to be a, a grahasta. And if you didn't want to be a grahasta, then you'd say you wanted to stay a brahmachari, and then your argument was, well, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was a brahmachari, and they'd say, you think you can be a brahmachari like Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur? <laughs> but then something began to change, and Prabhupada became his initial enthusiasm for the householder ashram began to change. He became extremely disappointed. Uh, couples were fighting with each other all the time. He was flooded with mail. My husband is this, my wife is this, we can't get along. And marriages began to break up. To Prabhupada, this was absolutely unthinkable. He had arranged these marriages, and they were fighting all the time. People were not able to follow the principles. Marriages were breaking up. Uh, and, and finally, actually, at one point, Prabhupada, it used to be that whenever there was a marriage, it had to be authorized by Srila Prabhupada, like a local temple president or something would arrange the marriage. And then you had to get Prabhupada's approval. He said, I'm not approving any more marriages. Finished. And for quite some time, maybe a year, in our movement, nobody was getting married. Because Prabhupada said that, that meant no more fire sacrifices. And finally, people would go off to some minister or justice of the peace to get married. Uh, so Prabhupada became quite upset. And then it became the age of the sannyasi and the brahmachari. <laughs> Everyone had to be a brahmachari. Uh, and this was the notion of many, many uh, uh, devotees took sannyas. It was understood if you wanted to uh, become prominent or make uh, advancement in our institution, you had to take sannyas. People who had been married in a very short of time were taking sannyas, all kinds of, everybody was like, that. everybody's getting on board that boat. Everyone had to be a brahmachari. If you wanted to get married, they'd start preaching you about the dark well of householder life and your spiritual advancement would stop. And uh, uh, it's got very hard for householders, and by the way, it got really rough for women, too, in the movement at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you wanted to get married and you'd say, well, Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a householder, they'd say, do you think you can be a householder like Bhaktivinoda Thakur? <laughs> and so that became the big thing. Brahmachari and sannyas for everybody. Uh, it was going to be a movement of nothing but brahmacharis and sannyasis. And the sannyasis got, there was a reference already to ultimately what Prabhupada uh, called a fratricidal war. The sannyasis and North America became so powerful 
They even at one time were tossing around the ideas of sending all the women to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> this, of course, is called transportation. It has a, an old history. Uh, sending unwanted people to Australia. I don't know what the Australian devotees <laughs> were thinking. But never, you know, but they were at least thinking about it, you know. This was a notion. A big problem. What do we do with a surplus women since nobody's going to get married? <laughs> um, well, then it was the age of sannyas, but then something began to happen. Uh, one after another, sannyasis began to leave their ashram. They began to fall down. And gradually, people noticed a trend. And if you ever get a list of all the people in ISKCON who've taken sannyas and how many are, 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 are left, it's like uh, the Battle of the Somme or something. You know, the <laughs> death rate is very, very high. It's in the 80%, 90%. Very few people who uh, embarked on these vows of sannyas and renunciation, in spite of the fact of receiving so much honor, respect, worship, they weren't able to maintain it. Uh, and so, uh, Gradually, and you know, the, 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 uh, really what happened uh, when we had the, the, the big crisis in ISKCON uh, in the, in the uh, mid-80s, the, the sort of guru crisis, there was a number of gurus who fell down. They were actually sannyasis who fell down. And in many cases, it was the fact that they were sannyasis, and now because they had women disciples, they were a little free to associate with women, and that led to the consequence fall down. So it became a, a huge crisis for us again. So now we're back. Well, maybe we should go back to grahastas again. <laughs> uh, uh, no ashram uh, practiced correctly is all that easy. Uh, they're all, they're, each of them has its uh, austerities and its uh, 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 hardships uh, to place upon us. But uh, the point is that actually we need uh, all uh, these ashrams. It's a complete system. Uh, and, and certainly we're not going to evade the problems of Grahastha ashram by fleeing to brahmachari and sannyas, that has its own uh, demands also. Uh, so um, uh, this time, uh, I think it's very, very important that we, we look at the uh, grahastha ashram. We try to understand what it is, what, is our, what are our duties, what are our obligations, what we are supposed to do and uh, settle down to really try to do it correctly because now there's no choice. We, we have the, the four ashrams and the four varnas and we have Krishna consciousness and, uh, and uh, uh, so what, what I wanted to do is, is to go over Prabhupada's instructions. I'm, I'm having a series of uh, excerpts I took from Prabhupada's writings about the duties and obligations of a grahasta, uh, it's, a, it's pretty heavy. Uh, some of you who aren't grahastas may never want to be a grahasta after you see it. And some of you who are already married may think you've made a mistake. 
it will. <laughs> but Prabhupada's instructions are Prabhupada's instructions. I I'm not in any position to change them. If I have any authority as a spiritual master, as a teacher, it's because I repeat what my spiritual master has said. Uh, so we're going to have to try to understand uh, what Prabhupada's uh, standards and what he says our obligations are. And uh, it, uh, we should uh, try to make uh, a program to uh, uh, accept those standards and do whatever we need to, uh, to come up to them and uh, follow them uh, properly. But what I want to do first of all is just uh, set the context of, um, of, of the Grahasta ashram. But this context is the same for all the, all the ashrams, really. And because this word ashram, Prabhupada points out, ashram means a place for spiritual life or for spiritual development. Uh, that's why it's called ashram. Uh, each ashram is a place for spiritual development. Now, how you go about it is different. Uh, but because the Grahasta ashram is described as a concession for sense gratification, doesn't mean that it's not a place for spiritual advancement. It is. It's just a spiritual advancement under certain conditions. Prabhupada said, he wrote a purport, um, just after one of his sannyasi leaders had left the sannyas ashram. Uh, and uh, this person was a GBC, uh, a very big leader, and he had fallen down, was going to get married. And Prabhupada uh, was writing about the battle between uh, the Gajendra uh, and uh, the crocodile. And uh, it was noted that although the elephant is very powerful, in the water the crocodile is stronger. Uh, so Prabhupada said that 